He knows risks. His strength is perfect. He was a little bit tired. Um, I do want to share, there was one picture that flashed by of a little girl with hydrocephalus. Um, and fortunately, to the, some of the donations from um, the staff or from, from the group, uh, that little girl is from, this little girl, is going to receive surgery. Uh, so her life will hopefully be better because of that. Um, one, of, one of the highlights, too, is worshiping with a secondary school.
I feel like we 
here, um, like technology and community. Um, not that those are necessarily bad, but it's just a lot different in that sense. And uh, you know, I was just thinking, I don't want to be the same. You know, when I left, I'm going to come back. Like I don't want to go back to kind of the old way. And uh, I think you know, just the intentionality that we have when we go there. We know it's like I said, it's a mission trip, and we're going. For God and by God, <laughs> you know, with God, and I think you know that's the thing that I've been encouraged just to carry that over into the workplace or wherever you're at school. Um, you know that you know I'm not an OT that happens to be a Christian, but I'm a Christian who happens to be an OT, and so and they shared with us too. Um, Smooth was one of the Americans um, living over there. They're trying to adopt. And he shared with us about a time he had been, and they'd done a medical trip, I think, and he, so he just felt very cynical about really what good am I doing? You know, we help these people now, but they're just going to get sick again. And really, what good is this? And the person there told him, you bring hope. And that was just such a blessing to hear, you know, that just the simple obedience of going, even though you don't feel like you can do anything. And apart from God, you really but, you know, God goes with us, and it's Him. You know, when you just do that simple act of obedience, He takes care of it. And it pleases Him so much to be able to do that. And then say, I don't have to do what to do, but I'm trusting you. And He does it. And um, I just want to encourage you guys with that, too. You know, just for us to remember that this world is in our home. And I've, God's been talking to me about that. You know, don't look like you live here <laughs> if you say it's not your home.
by the collar, pulled him over, and said, this is all yours. And that's exactly what I did. And I sat back, and I watched the Wayne win a Muslim game to the Lord. Okay? Praise the Lord that I got him. They're going to
Well, he told it right. He reached over and grabbed me by the collar. said, you're on. And I did walk off one time and said, no, you're on. You know, this is an incredible trip. You know, for those of you who are at Dorsville this morning, um, we showed a video about a man on his dying bed. And the, the thrust of the video was um, what defining moments would come through your mind on the last day of this earth if you're laying there reviewing your life and you're dying. And um, I will say that this trip will be one of the defining moments in my life. It's been my privilege to go to Africa uh, many times, probably 10, 11, 12 times, maybe 13 times. But this is the, in 30 years of pastoring, this was the largest opportunity we had to share the gospel and see this many people say. And it really was just incredible. Um, I, I was uh, privileged to do the first devotion uh, the first day. And, and I spoke about Jesus in Matthew where he talked about he saw the people and they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. And then he says, he says you know, pray, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers. And I looked at the team and said, you are the answer to someone's prayer. And I want to tell you this, that I honestly believe, um, Dorsfield, that we were the answer to some people's prayers in Africa. And I want to say thank you for being a mission-minded church, and thank you for enabling us to go, and um, thank you for this opportunity to share. Um, I know the number is very hard to get around when you think about 125 people, and you think about Africans that will do anything a white person says. I want to assure you that was not the case. I want to tell you that that when we talked, and, and like Ben has said, when you said, are you saved, that's a term we don't use anymore, they, meant, they knew exactly what it meant. And um, again, on the early days, I know this is incredible, probably if we had 100 people, 97 of them were either saved already or got saved. Very few people walked away. Um, but here's something you need to know, because the door will not always be this open. We, we went to a village, and we saw, again, this 97% of people being saved. It's just a tremendous thing. You know, over and over again, they were trusting Christ. Just two miles down the road, two miles down the road, um, that number dropped probably 40 or 50% walked away because they were Muslim. And Muslim to the point, we don't even want to talk to you, and we don't want you to pray um, even for us. It was an amazing just two-mile difference. But here's what you need to know. Um, Kuwaiti, the Muslims in Kuwait who have lots of money, um, have made a deal with the, the Ugandan government. And they will take electricity, they will take power to these rural districts. And believe me, we were in the bush several times. They will lay power lines, put power lines up in this rural area if every ten, for every 10 kilometers they put up power poles, they're allowed to build a mosque. So the encroachment of, of um, Muslim influence, Islam, is very, very strong. And, and it's very important, Doug, that we keep acting um, with the gospel of Jesus Christ um, while the still remains. Because it may not be open forever. And so we need to be about the kingdom business as much as we can around this world. And we saw that in Uganda. Memories. Um, I, I, see, I've had the microphone three times already in sermons, and I can't keep my mouth shut. Um, the, the last person I spoke to on the trip was a 71-year-old Muslim guy. Had the hat on, had the gown on. And Tim, I was like you going, there's no way this guy's going to get saved. There's no way. Um, it was the end of a long day. It was a very long day. And um, we talked to him, to the interpreter. And praise God, you know, he, I said, you know, you choose roads. You can choose your path and the path of religion, or you can choose the path of Jesus Christ. And he said, I choose the path of Jesus. And he prayed to receive Jesus Christ that day. The 13-year-old uh, girl who, who said that um, my father's told me that I'm a Muslim, he's a Muslim, and if I trust Christ, I won't be a believer, but he'll beat me. 
And that day she prayed to receive Jesus Christ, even on the threat of being beat, beaten by her father. Um, on one, toward the end of one day, another 70-year-old man. Of course, in Africa, I think everybody looks old, must be 60 or 70. You know, they don't know how old they are. But this, this guy was so old. And uh, I explained about the path thing, about choosing Jesus. It went, if you give me just about a minute, I'll tell you how, how it went. So, um, so are you saved today? Um, no, I'm not saved. Would you like to know how to be saved? Yes, I would. Well, the first thing it begins with is that you have to understand you're a sinner. That the Bible says everyone has sinned. And I usually go, I've sinned. Uh, my, my brother here has sinned. And you have sinned. You understand what sin is. Sins are things that offend God. Yes, I understand that. And then I said, imagine that God is here and you are here and, and he's holy and we're not and we're separated. And there's nothing, religion or nothing, can bridge that gap. And I said, God did something for us. He sent a bridge and that bridge was Jesus Christ. He made it possible for a sinful man um, to come to holy God. I told him what you hear every week. Every week, how a man died on a cross for their sins because the wages of sin was death. And Jesus took our, our sin and paid our price for the sin and took the wrath of God and died on a cross for us. But he didn't stay dead, I said. On the third day, he resurrected, proving that he was God. And today, God says, if you'll believe that you have sinned and admit to him you've sinned and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, that he was God and choose to follow Jesus Christ, Jesus wrote, you can be saved. That's how it kind of went. And that 71-year-old man said, I hear what you say, and I choose to follow Jesus. And it wasn't just a little bit further down, about two people down, another elderly woman came. Same thing, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. So it was just an incredible experience to see the freshness of the gospel impact on these people who were lost not by choice because they never knew the truth. And that day, they heard the truth. So I just want to say thank you. And I don't know how many of y'all ever get the opportunity to go to Africa or Nicaragua or Haiti or two blocks north of Barnett Street Projects. I don't know. I always want to tell you this, that it's a wonderful experience when people are hungry for the gospel. And we had the privilege of being a part of sharing um, that gospel. It was really, really an incredible trip. It will be a defining moment for my life. And I'll tell you this. Was it a hard trip? Absolutely. It was. I don't know if I'm getting older or Africa's getting further. Not sure. I am certain someone put a rope in Africa and pulled another few hours out of way. I think I heard Judy say this. I believe I did. I heard, think I heard her say something. Why are we doing this? It was a long day. We were tired. And, um, of course, we realized what we do. But that, that, I think she said that. And I came home. And, I, and Doug, I said this. I said, Judy, I don't think I'm going back to the continent. I just don't think I can do this again. You know? And I came home, got over my jet lag, and watched that video for the first time. Yeah, I'm going back. If God opened the door, I'm going back. Whether it's Uganda or somewhere, but I just, those pastors, those pastors who we taught last year said, oh, we remember Elijah. Wait, you know, Elijah went back to the church of the forest, and they said, you preach like an African. And I said, yay, yay, yay. And we taught the 23rd Psalm that day. So if you get the opportunity, no matter, don't let age be, I can't believe him when he's 15. I thought the girl was 18 or 19 years old, and, um, you know, I can't believe she's 15. But whether you're 15 or whether you're in your 70s, if you get the opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, whether it be with the Baptist Children's Home in Uganda or Nicaragua or some other place, you really need to seize the opportunity. It really is a game changer. It really is a life-changing experience 
um, to see another part of the world and see the hunger for the gospel. You'll come back, and here's the good part, you'll come back and you'll see America through different eyes. Because you see, there's a lot of lost people in Harrisburg, aren't there? See, it's not either or. You see my Acts 1-8 shirt. You know, it's, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. It's all of that. So thank you, Dorisville, um, for letting us go. Thank you, Doug, for uh, organizing the trip. And, and Crystal really did a wonderful job of being a leader. And Krista, to get to see you again and share with you and share with, with my brothers and sisters in Christ is an incredible, incredible thing. Now, I, we take a couple minutes for questions. Why don't you come up and do that? Um, This morning, Nan shared with the um, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and first grade and second grade. I think she had like 14. So they got to learn a little bit of Africa today. And in our Sunday school class, the young adults, we shared this morning, and we had a lot of questions. So how about you guys? Is there anything that you want to ask anybody while we're all here and we can still remember? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Alicia. She asked, she noticed that we were wearing skirts. It is a cultural issue, and Pastor Godfrey, it has to be, um, we're told, it has to be below your leg, and the longer probably the better. But anything really below the knee a few inches um, is appropriate for a woman to wear. And now on the, when we did travel, on the travel days, we wore running suits or whatever, you know, when we came in. Because Uganda is very westernized, but because we're not in the big, like Kampala's 1.8 million people, that's where we spent the first night, you know, and that's, that's very westernized, but we are out in the bush, and so we need to be culturally appropriate and modest and so forth. You didn't see us with spaghetti straps. You may have seen some people in the villages, but you didn't see us. And so, yes, we did have to have long skirts, and fortunately, it's a lot easier, even in the United States now, to get that. And so, we got a lot of t-shirts and washed and wore, and there were a couple of pictures of Randy with his scrubs hanging out his window. That one village um, that Dwayne, it was the Muslim one, wasn't it? That village, and I don't remember the name of it, started with an M, you know. What? Nakumbo, okay. That, the next Sunday, they told the people with Arise Africa, Arise Africa is a church planting organization. And so they have, I believe they told us this year, about 240 church plants all over Uganda. And there was not one in that village. And as of the next Sunday, because of the people that were converted and came to Christ, um, they were going to start meeting the very next Sunday, which would have been last Sunday, in that village for a new church plant. So that was that was pretty exciting. That you know now there's a church there. And we have we don't know how it's you know how it's going, but we know that was the plan with Eliza. They were going to send a pastor over. The food. Food, um, lots of pineapple and lots of fresh fruit, um, mango, papaya, passion fruit, uh, watermelon, not South Georgia watermelon, but watermelon, um, bananas, lots of bananas, and the food was uh, rice. The, unfortunately, our bus broke down on the very first day as we were trying to get from Kampala to um, the guest house. And so that day we heard rumors from Smooth they had fried chicken and mashed potatoes which we did not get to eat because the bus broke down. But he said he enjoyed it for us. I think that may have been my favorite meal. Um, but just all sorts of different things. There were meats. 
sometimes you knew what it was, sometimes you didn't know what it was, and we didn't tell, we, if we didn't want Tim to eat, we just told him it was a goat, because he had some bad experiences with the goat and Molly, that would take care of Tim, he'd be automatically knocked out. Um, but anyway, all sorts, some slaw, some fresh carrots, um, and sometimes she did make mashed potatoes, and then some other foods that we're not real familiar with in the United States. Very different spices. Um, I think everybody pretty much enjoyed it. They sent us a box lunch. Now we took like canned tuna and we took packets of chicken and granola bars and energy protein bars and stuff because we figured we'd have to supplement. Because we were in the villages during the day, we didn't go back. Um, we just stayed put. And they provided us soda and water. And so um, the first day, I think they sent us a sandwich. Now Ugandan bread, it looks kind of like ours, but it's almost like Melba toast. It's because there's no preservative, so it's hard, quickly. I think like as soon as they slice it, it's stale. That kind of thing. And so they brought us out sandwiches for which we were grateful, and we shared around with our interpreters and stuff. And um, the sandwich was a, was a piece of bread, and it was a thin, thin, thin layer um, of peanut butter, and then it had a pineapple on top, and that was lunch. And then the next day, it was the same thing, but instead of pineapple, it was a banana um, for the filling. And so we sometimes were gracious and just said, you know, do you have lunch? You can have that, and I'll just pull something out of my backpack. So nobody suffered. Probably the sister. The children take care of children there. You see um, from, from probably five years old, they'll be carrying um, or either have by the hand the little ones, and there won't be an adult present. And so they would, some of those pictures you saw them coming across the field, they were coming across the field not as a family, but as, a, as siblings. And so the children really do help take care of, you know, their younger brothers and sisters. And some of them, you know, and we did have some families that come. I mean, you do have families, but probably just as common, you just have children bringing children also. Working through an interpreter is difficult, especially, um, and you got to remember, we're, we're jet lagged a little bit too, so your mind's not real sharp all the time. And it's hot, and you're in a confined space, and you're sitting almost knee to knee with your interpreter, and the person you're, you're talking to is sitting right here, or sometimes it was two or three people, which was extremely difficult. And so you say something, and then you wait for them to say it to them, and then you wait for them to say back the answer to the interpreter and then it bounces back to you. And, and it was really taxing mentally and spiritually because you know, we, you realize that we're working against the spiritual darkness and so, you know, every distraction and you've got kids hollering and carrying on, you know, because it's an open air forum, um, concentration was difficult and that was, I think that, that was one of the most exhausting things on the counseling um, place especially. 
And it was a very high compliment when they said you preach like an African. That was that was a big deal. We had quite a few interpreters. Like there was one with each cluster. Like Benna had an interpreter. Nan had an interpreter. The counselors had an interpreter. Um, three, three, one for each person, because you can't share and carry on conversations. Um, and if we were short, then we just wouldn't do that. Like one time the interpreters were late getting there, and so I just was out back talking to children. Um, English is, a, is taught in the schools, and so if you can get to some children or young teenagers, you can carry on a little bit of conversation. Like they would say, you know, like, what's that? And I'd say, this is hand in English. What is it in Uganda? And we could kind of do that a little bit. Um, you couldn't carry on like an intense conversation, but, you know, you could, you could talk a little bit. And then there were, the interpreters were excellent. Um, they were good. And then to throw in a kink to all of that, we had some people coming at the end that were, uh, spoke Swahili. So then you had to go from you to your interpreter to somebody else who spoke Swahili to the person and then back and try to carry the train of thought. Now, what were we talking about? <laughs> so think playing telephone and, try, and you're cheering the gospel. So you have this great sense of responsibility of, I've got to, this is God's stuff. This is not how are you doing today. I've got to get it right so they can understand it right, you know, and it's like, and that goes back to what Tim was saying, God's going to make it happen if it's going to happen, because in the midst of all the, the different things going on, you're just like, how can this be, how can this be? Yes, sir? Animals, all kind of animals. We have, um, I just couldn't find a place to put them in the slideshow. The elephants just didn't get the spot, you know? Um, hyena, elephants, giraffes, um, hippo, lots of hippos, alligators with their mouths open, or crocodiles, I guess you call them, crocodiles, um, warthogs, lots of warthogs, water buffalo, Wayne braved the water buffalo to get in a bird nest. Um, actually, he didn't. He hollered at it until it left, and then he went down. He started down. Nan likes to collect bird nests, and there was one down at the bottom of this place, and there was a water buffalo. And they actually told us, you are not allowed to leave um, the dining hall. This was by the safari because of the wild animals. Because we have water buffalo and they're very aggressive. So a man with a rifle, with a, a high-powered rifle, would walk you back to your room every night. And you're like, now don't come out in the morning by yourself. Wait for the guard to come and get you because he has a gun in case they're wandering. And they were wandering around right by where we slept. So there's one down there and Dwayne's like, there's those nests that Nan wanted a weaver bird nest. And so anyway... Him and Tim were up there, and Tim was cheering him on, and I think he went part of the way, and then the closer he got, the bigger it got, and so he came around and, and, and came back. So then he stood up there and hollered at it, and eventually it wandered off, and, and Nan got her nest. I don't know if it made it home in one piece or not, but she got her nest. Okay. You know, that was the stupidest thing I did with Tripp. She really wanted the bird nest, and, and so I, I, I'm down there, I'm speaking water buffalo, I'm saying, dude, you're on my turf. Get out. Move on. He started walking away. Yeah, all right, dude. Yeah. So anyway, so you sour points that way. I, 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 that was crazy. Um, let me share one more thing with you. This is our, this is our closing. 
want you to know one thing for sure. And again, my, my pastor's heart wants as many as possible to experience a short-term mission trip. But here's one thing I want you to know. Is that back when David was chasing the Amalekites, uh, they, had, they had raided the camp. And um, they got so far, and they were running. You know, they were, they were going very quickly. And a bunch of the guys got really tired. And so the guy, you know, David said, okay, if you're really tired, you stay here, and we'll go on. And, and they went on. And uh, they won the battle. And they came back, and the guys that went and fought the battle said, you don't get any of the plunder. And David said, uh-uh. Those that watched the baggage and those that won the battle, we all share the same. And whether your foot ever touches foreign soul or not, soul or not um, whether you give a dollar or not to help someone go, if you prayed, if you supported, if you came tonight and encouraged us that go, the reward is the same. Don't be surprised. I know this is probably my take, and it takes off of a song that a guy used to write, I wrote one time. Don't be surprised someday if a little black kid from Uganda comes up and says, thank you, thank you. That's probably not what's going to happen. I understand that for those deep theologians. I understand that. But I want you to know something, that some of you have earned great reward, even though your foot's never lost soul, because we couldn't do what we do without your prayer support, without your love, and your financial help. So thank you. God bless you so very much. Why don't we stand to our feet? And um, we're going to sing Amazing Grace as our dismissal tonight. So um, what, what a great song to end with. Let's sing it. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Thank you.